0: Talk about what you wanna accomplish in the next 12 to 18 months. I think some finance leaders are like very quick to be like, okay, like what new software do you need? But before you get to that point, you all have to be on the same page of like what you're looking to accomplish. And then you can have a much more informed opinion as you go through terms of the budget.
1: In our second conversation with Bloomerang CFO Steve Isom, we get deep and talk about the finance challenges and tribulations that keep him up at night and how he works to solve them. Risk mitigation, new competitors in the space, and managing a growing SaaS stack are just a few. Let's dive in. What in the world of finance, the world of your role every day keeps you up at night right now?
0: Yeah, I think that most finance leaders will tell you they don't want any surprises, right? So I think the question of visibility and what do I have visibility into um, is really, it's, it's less around the things I know and, and what may happen as opposed to what are the things that I don't know about? So making sure you're always asking those prying questions, trying to understand the business as much as possible. And that's everything from risk mitigation to understand, you know, are we facing headwinds in the market? Are there new competitors popping up? I think there's a lot of value in just listening and listening to people and asking, asking questions. But, yeah, being surprised is, uh, is definitely what keeps me up at night the most.
1: I imagine that plays into the software your company's using, especially. I know you said you're remote. Is most of the company now remote?
0: We the majority of our employees based are based in Indiana, but most of them are working from home. So everyone's mm-hmm. kind of embraced a hybrid a hybrid work model.
1: Have you noticed that there's more surprises with? the SaaS your company is using or wants to start using now since you've moved to a hybrid model or how's that working, especially going into next year?
0: Yeah, I think that probably in a typical high growth startup, especially that's venture back, that's probably a common situation. I think that in the business here, given that it was bootstrapped for so long, they really are like the teams have embraced a bootstrap mindset. So, um, oftentimes would opt not to spend on things but as we're in this kind of really strong investment period we are we're procuring a lot of new software at higher ticket you know values that anyone at the company had ever purchased before so having the visibility and understanding the process has has been really really important for us this year
1: When you are procuring new software lately, are you noticing that the solutions are more all in one or they're more niche solutions? So there's more a higher number of software that your company's using?
0: Yeah, I think that there's definitely a SaaS vendor sprawl, right? There's new tools you know popping up every day. There's things with very narrow use cases. You know, I think to try to manage the process, ideally you want to be standardizing on on certain platforms. You know, can we do as much as possible in Salesforce? You know, we're using Marketo from a marketing perspective. Um, It's hard to manage a whole bunch of really specific tools, but at the same time, you want to enable your teams to use kind of the best in breed solution. So I think it's more so, you know, it's okay if you've got this proliferation of tools, as long as you have really strong visibility. And then also, and I think that's where where vendor has been a really big help is really having the confidence that you know you're 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 getting market terms, right? I think as a as a finance leader, listen, I could be involved in detailed conversations with every single new vendor that we bring on and probably get pretty good pricing. And I could, you know, reach out to people in my network. Hey, what are you paying for this? And, and what are your experiences? But it's probably not a good use of my time. So when I was first introduced to vendor, it very much was a no brainer for me. Um, and the results have, have, have spoken for themselves. I mean, it's it's an idea where, you know, our teams have really embraced The process, the partnership, it gives them a lot more confidence. It's like, oh, I don't necessarily have to have like the hard, you know, not everyone's like me, not everyone likes negotiating, right? Some people just like, oh, I don't know if I'm getting a good price, but I don't want to have that uncomfortable conversation. So vendors like another team member, or it's really like having a procurement department. I mean, I I got to experience the benefits of having a true procurement department at WP Engine when we were acquired, we had a phenomenal procurement leader and she would do the same things that vendor was doing. And a lot of times, and she's a seasoned executive with, you know, decades of experience, but there are people like that at a company of our size, right? And we're able to get the lift with vendor, you know, even being a 250% company. And that's been, so it's like visibility and then understanding, you know, what are your renewal cycles? What are the price increases baked in has been has been really helpful from a finance perspective.
1: So it's Q4 now, you're planning for next year. What is that process, you know, generally speaking, look like for you and Bloomerang? How have you improved that process over time? And what are some of your top priorities going into 2022?
0: Yeah, great, great question. So I think that I've definitely learned over time how to make planning effective. You know, when I first started at Cyber Reason, I think I took a more like siloed approach, especially coming from investment banking and investing, you're kind of, you know, do everything yourself Um, and probably wasn't as collaborative as I needed to be. And also understanding that like, it's a two-way street, you need to get buy-in from everyone on the plan. And then Q4 is just always gonna be crazy from a finance perspective, but you know we're in the midst of it right now. I would say so far, so good. The biggest thing I learned though, is that you have to have strategic planning sessions first. And where you get the leadership team together, you get department heads, you get high impact individuals together. And you talk about what you wanna accomplish in the next you know 12 to 18 months. And it's not a conversation centered around the budget. Right, it's not like, hey, you have X number of people. How many do you need? Right? I think some finance leaders are like very quick to be like, okay, like what new software do you need? It's like, but before you get to that point, you all have to be on the same page of like what you're looking to accomplish, and then you can have a much more informed opinion as you go through terms of the budget. So strategic planning first. You know where I've seen it be successful is you center around. Some large strategic initiatives, you know, we call them, you know, what are the strategic pillars or big rocks? You know, what are the five things we're trying to accomplish in the year cross-functionally? What do those things look like? And then how are we going to measure success against them? And then I think the other thing is I've always had a pretty wide range of experience at with my counterparts on how comfortable they are from a budgeting perspective. I mean, I was lucky at, at Cyber and I got to work with Mike Colpe, who was the CMO HubSpot. Like, he had such a handle on his budget and every single dollar that he spent, It was like it, it was not something we needed to worry about. Other other folks just haven't haven't been through the cycles or don't understand. Like, well, we paid this bill on this date. Why is the expense over these four months? And understanding like. You know, payment terms don't equal contract terms. So I think getting all leaders involved, setting base level conversations to kick it off, and then making sure you're providing them as much information as possible in an easily digestible way. You know, I like, I show like varying levels of detail. So, you know, I'll show, hey, here's your department over the last 18 months, here's the headcount, here's the expenses by major category. And it's, and it's maybe it's a quarterly view. And then it's like the next tab, you know, I'm going to show you a monthly view. And instead of the major, the major categories, I'm going to show you the full P&L detail. And then within the full P&L detail, I'll show you all the vendors that roll up in those specific categories. And you can kind of work to that level of detail as opposed to just like, hey, I just exported, you know, the P&L for your department out of the ERP. Here you go. Let me know what you want. And then also overlaying what are the metrics at the company level, you know, where total customer count, ARR, new ARR added, churn, total support tickets, number of implementation projects, right? So you can start to orient around, you know, what are those benchmarking metrics that we need? And then get to a point where you can come to an agreement and say, hey, like, we believe these are the benchmarks so that if when we finish the top line plan, and we're at X number of customers, it's not some painful exercise with the support organization or the implementations team. It's, we'd already agreed on what are kind of the ratios that we want. And now that the top line changed, we'll, we'll reflect those changes in the roll-up um, and, and work from there. So it's kind of like setting the what are the, what are the rules of engagement on the plan? And then also, you know, the sooner the better, right? Get get folks information sooner rather than later. You know, not only when I joined Bloomerang, had we just completed an acquisition, but there was no budget done. So I started January 1st and it's, hey, let's do the budget for, let's do the budget for 2021. And, you know, obviously that was not the ideal situation. You know, we had to cut some, of the, some corners of the process that I just laid out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we got it, we got it done <laughs> and have largely been on plan for the year, but, uh, it's definitely finance leaders need to realize that's a collaborative effort. Everyone needs to be bought in. It's not just a finance exercise, despite finance being the one who's in charge of the deliverable.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like where you cut corners in January or however long it took you can point back to that next year when you're like okay this is going to be a little bit more all encompassing because like here's where we missed out on these three corners we cut and i think
0: too we've also been we've also been going through a lot of growth this year and we've brought in, in a lot of new senior leaders so you know the planning exercise and budgeting specifically is the opportunity for all of us to be on the same page as we head into 2021. We hired a new CTO in 2021 and we built the budget for engineering without him. And you know it, it was a little bit you know finger in the air type, and it's like, hey, I think I've got enough hires in there for you, but it necessarily wasn't a plan that he was bought into. Like he. He's worked within the parameters for sure, but it's it's gonna be a, a pretty meaningful difference once we once we have everyone bought in and on the same page as we go into go into next year.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the buy side, hosted by Vendor, a SaaS buying platform for ever-changing B2B SaaS sales. Curious how we can help your company save on SaaS? Get a free savings analysis today by visiting us at vendr.com slash save. See you next time.